You're listening to Grace Saves All, the podcast which exists at the spiritual intersection of Christianity and universal salvation. In this podcast, we will be exploring an ancient and modern approach to Christianity, which affirms both that grace saves alone and that grace goes to all. And now, here is David Artman, author of Grace Saves All, The Necessity of Christian Universalism. Welcome back, everybody, to uh, part two of this interview with Dr. David Bentley Hart. What what I wanted to do now is to uh, talk with Dr. Hart about his latest writing project, and I hope that all of us uh, will uh, will become involved with uh, supporting Dr. Hart in this. It's called Leaves in the Wind. You can find it on uh, Substack, and you can subscribe at a nominal fee, or you can become a founding member for a little bit more and help get this project off the ground. And I guess, Dr. Hart, I'm I sort of see that you are you're turning a little bit of a corner now in your career and I don't want to say moving away from books completely, but you are getting back into the more weekly kind of and broad kind of writing uh, for a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll never, I'm not, you know, I'm definitely not turning away from writing the books. They're still coming out at, a, at an ungodly pace at the moment. Um, <laughs> well, it was true that, yeah. that I was also a col- the thing, of course, you know, I'm a bit of a dilettante too. I never, you know, people will, depending on what they're interviewing me on, it's funny listening to descriptions of me, some uh, say philosopher, theologian, or literary critic, or social critic, or they just uh, put them all together uh, in in whatever order uh, sounds best at that moment. And it, it's it's I'm not sure what I am, but I know that uh, uh, I miss writing short pieces on whatever I I, I feel prompting to write on. Uh, and I, I did that for many years, writing for First Things, uh, before I severed ties with the journal. Uh, <laughs> I was, was never a neoconservative in the days when that was the reigning ideology there, but uh, when they uh, when they adopted the, the political tenor and theological tenor that's now distinct, distinctively theirs, uh, I, I broke off. And at first that was a comfortable enough uh, decision, although I lost revenues as a result, but um, you know, uh, can't serve both God and Mammon. <laughs> I mean, let's pretend it was pure righteousness. Uh, the Substack uh, project just allows me to, and and I've, you know, a lot of readers have said they they have also told me they miss the columns. So um, with Substack, it becomes possible to do it without impoverishing myself, without taking time away from my, uh, because I live by writing. I, I, I've, I've, I go back into teaching when I have to now and then, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I, I, you know, I've, I've always wanted to live by writing and this allows me if I get enough subscribers, that is, um, uh, to to go back to the short form that I enjoy, the short forms I enjoy. So essays, stories, vignettes, meditations, yeah. b- b- bad satires. You know. Well, that, that that to me that's that's sort of the fun part about it is that it just allows you to kind of write about and speak about a variety of different things. And those of us who enjoy hearing from you, then we can we get sort of a weekly you know, weekly interaction with you. And that's fun for us. And, uh, and I think also it helps us to, uh, to think about a variety of topics and how things all kind of fit together in a, in an integrated whole, you might say. 
Well, I don't. I, I mean, I, it's kind of if you say. I'm not sure how integrated it is. I mean, the, the point of integration just seems to be my my uh, uncontrollably vagrant personality. That I just, uh, just I. Uh, but it is, you know, uh, one of the things when you when you create a Substack newsletter, they call them. They, they they always have advice for you as if you're. Of course, they're assuming that some of the, their clients are aspiring writers, not people who've been around for a while. They said, make sure you write only on one topic, one issue. Make that the, <laughs> that, that the focus. Well, I, I couldn't do that if I tried. I wouldn't know how. Uh, so um, I'm trying exactly the opposite approach to be as diffuse and wide-ranging and capricious as possible. Well, uh, because that's what I did in the past, so I'm, I'm assuming yeah. that's well, it's one of the still, things I really enjoy is the, uh, you talk a lot about your walks with Roland. And, this is uh, true. Yeah. And just sort of the idea in, in, in one of, one of them, you were just sort of talking about an experience that you had, you were walking with Roland and you saw a family and there was a hedgehog with pups. Ground, ground, groundhog. groundhog. Oh, groundhog. Oh, groundhog. <laughs> groundhog. And, uh, Anyway, uh, yeah, this was America, not Britain. There were. <laughs> <laughs> but just sort of that, it was just fun to just sort of, in a way, get to experience that moment with you and Roland and, and to just, you know, just to get to know, you know, kind of what you're thinking about what's on your mind through this. I like also being able to, you know, I, I wrote a, a, a little piece for Proust's 150th birthday. <laughs> He's doing. He's looking good for a man his age. You ask, <laughs> um, and uh, obviously that's not a, a piece that, uh, that that has any, uh, you know, uh, it belongs to any sort of wider set of reflections. I just, uh, you know, certain of the essays, certain of the uh, uh, columns, or will be on literary topics, and it happened to be uh, uh, Proust happens to be especially. Uh, important to me and it allows it allows when i when i was writing for first things i could do that you know i could you know i i was never given a topic uh especially when i was writing the last page uh or a form i could write uh, a silly story i could write a dramatic dialogue between ariel and caliban i could write a, a little essay or a jeremiad or you know whatever jeremiad if you prefer uh and uh, this allows me to do that again and it's it is a fairly liberating feeling i have to say well i, I hope that you get the the amount of support for it that makes it uh that makes it worth your worth your while so far it's encouraging and we'll know i, I i've committed myself to it for i think three years two years at least three and then i'll decide uh if it's worn me out or not but okay. i'm enjoying it now yeah and i'm hoping i'm hoping people who re who are subscribing are enjoying it too and it's it's uh, reasonable it's five dollars a month yeah. uh 55 dollars a year and uh and and for those who who really kind of want to feel a connection with it you can be a founding member for the first year for $125. Yeah, I've gotten quite a lot of those. I'm very grateful. I mean, there are a lot of uh, generous souls out there that, because, of course, when you begin something like this, you don't know if you're making a mistake. Uh -huh. So having that, that initial encouragement of people who are helping get it, get it off the ground, actually, uh, relieved the anxiety of me thinking, oh, my God, I should be writing my book and getting it into print and getting yeah. on to the next one. 
not, not taking any time for this. Instead, uh, it's it's been and, and also, of course, it's rather touching uh, that people would be willing to do that. And so, but but again, that's not necessary. Five dollars a month is just fine. <laughs> five fifty, actually, fifty five for the year. That's the best deal of all. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's that's. Uh, I think that's very reasonable. And and uh, if if you go and you look at the little introduction essay that you write about what you're going to be getting in this newsletter, the name Frank Robinson comes up repeatedly. You'll, you know, we'll yes, go along and we're, we're going to hear about Frank Robinson. And then later on, we're going to hear some more about Frank Robinson. And then of course, <laughs> you're going to hear about Frank Robinson. Yeah. And Sooner so, or later. In fact, I am, I am going to write something about Frank Robinson. I think at the end of the coming month, because he passed away not long ago, we lost a lot of wonderful, you know, a great generation of baseball players over the past two years, you know, uh, the, the just absolutely staggering names of, of, you know, Tom Seaver and Lou Brock and Hank, you know, and just so many of them. And uh, uh, Frank Robinson was the first to go. And uh, for someone who, of my age, who's an Orioles fan, he was a titan, you know, he was the greatest player that the Orioles ever had certainly on their team. And he was the one who led them to their first and their second world series, uh, victories. And, and, you know, uh, but for an injury in 67 probably would have won the triple crown two years in a row. No disrespect to Carl Yastrzemski. When you, you know, you have a, you only have one, you know, childhood hero, at least in any given sphere of activity. Mm-hmm. When I was a child, I, I wanted somehow uh, to be a, a combination of, was I was growing up becoming a teenager too, I got, even after Frank's retirement, I think I wanted to be a combination of Vladimir Nabokov, uh, John Lennon, and Frank Robinson. I would somehow do all of that at once. And, uh, <laughs> when Frank passed away, um, you know, I, I really, I mean, I, I, I shed quite a lot of tears. I found, you know, you lose a childhood hero. It's 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 actually quite a, a painful thing. And I wanted to write something about it. I didn't have any outlet. Uh, and I've been still writing for First Things. I'd have had a column on Frank Robinson. So I think that, in that, that the uh, emotional aftermath of his passing is expressed in my uh, several references to him on in the introductory yeah. uh, portion. Well, I, he was. The- he. I just want to say this very quickly. Many, you know, he was of that remarkable. You know, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, Frank Robinson, Roberto Clemente. Those were the big, the great players of my earliest childhood. And Frank was always the one who got the least attention. Even though, when you look at his numbers, not only did he have like one of the greatest rookie years. On record, number hits, total bases, RBIs per at bat. He is arguably, yeah, among the the five or ten, ten or twelve greatest players in the history of the game. And he doesn't get quite as much attention as Willie Mays or Hank Aaron, but he was every bit their equal. What is it about baseball that I'm a base I'm a baseball fan? I like listening to uh, I especially like listening to uh, baseball on the radio, play by play. Yeah. I, and, I, I do too. And just having it on in the background, I love a good play-by-play announcer and just listening to the stories that they tell and just t- sort of how the game, how the game works. So you're going around the bases, everybody's heading home. It's not a, it's not a war with, right. uh, 
with just brute brute strength on one side versus the other. There's well, a lot I mean, of this- brute brute strength by itself isn't going to do much for you in baseball because uh, you know I mean look at Hank Aaron he was what five foot ten I don't remember exactly he wasn't a giant it was technique. The thing about on the radio, I have to say, I love listening to play-by-play on the radio. But you want an announcer who has the where has the presence of mind to tell you where the fielders are positioning themselves, right, from pitch to pitch. If you get an announcer who doesn't remember that that's a significant part of it, then then it becomes a problem. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, no, I love uh, we, uh, um, you know. Of course, Vin Scully, arguably the greatest of all time, but there have been some wonderful announcers uh, in Baltimore over the years. John Miller, before him, uh, some local personalities whose names you wouldn't recognize, but who were masters of the craft. And uh, I I, I do sometimes, uh, I, I, I will watch the game if I'm at home, okay? But when I'm in the car and I can listen to it on the radio, I have to admit that uh, that really takes me back to childhood. Yeah. I used to listen to baseball on the radio with my dad, and so there's just something about that, just that experience. Well, thanks, uh, Dr. Hart. I hope everybody— well, thank you. Oh, 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 you do have some few—you have, you have, you do have some new books coming out. Just mention what those are. Ah, well, in December, I have a big novel called Kenagaya coming out, which I wrote mostly during a period of deep sickness, illness, and then finished during the uh, the shutdown. So it's a little bit on the uh, dark side at times, and it's amusing too, but it's uh, a somewhat Gnostic fantasy, but with orthodox intentions. Okay. Uh, then I have, uh, let's see, there's a book called Tradition is Apocalypse coming out in February. There's a book called You Are Gods on nature and supernature coming out in April. And there's a collection of short stories coming out sometime thereafter, but I, I don't, I haven't decided on the title yet. And you have a book on that. And a book on philosophy of mind is almost ready. And to that's go a very, out. that's going to be a very serious, kind of a serious work. Oh yeah. That's, that's a serious philosophical work. Um, I should have published that uh, a couple years ago, but I kept getting distracted and rethinking the shape of it. I'm trying to make it short, if I can, you know, relatively short, because many books on philosophy of mind keep coming out of the like five, seven, eight hundred page tomes that no one can get through that keep rehearsing the same, to my mind, often pointless uh, technical discussions. Uh, Whereas I'm trying I've decided the way I want to write it is as a philosophical essay arguing a very specific line of thought through from beginning to end. So I'm I'm hoping to get it down to a mere 300 pages at most. Well, well, we'll all look forward to uh, your coming, your coming work and, uh, and uh, wish you well in your new adventure with your newsletter on Substack. Thank you. And uh, say, say a prayer for the memory of Frank Robinson. Okay. I'll do that. All right. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Grace Saves All. You can help spread the word by sharing this podcast with others and by giving it a rating on iTunes. If you want to find out more about David or if you'd like to leave him a message, go to his website, davidartman.net. In the meantime, let's work together to help a hurting world know about the greatest news ever announced.